sorts of issues here on earth and in our society. But the thing is, is for so many of us, if we don't have a heavenly perspective, we try and fix the world's problems with the world's ways, which only breaks it further. I'm going to say that again, because it's important. If we try and fix the world's problems with the world's methods, we get more problems. The only way to truly transform our community and our world is to truly have a heavenly perspective. There's a perspective of life that's from the Lord. It's how he sees us and how he sees the world as a whole. And as you'll hear today from Pastor Daniel, that perspective is vastly different than what the world projects. So if we're trying to fix our problems using the perspective of people, human sinners, because we're all exactly that, then what difference will ever be made? Your life isn't going to change until you look at it from God's viewpoint. Now, Here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 4 as he begins his message, The Throne Room of Heaven. You know, so much of our lives is about allowing God to give us a bigger vision than we would have had otherwise. Life is about a continual expanding vision. Even think about in just the way that we grow up. I mean, when a child is fresh born, the only thing they're thinking about is food, right? And when a child is young, it's like they're self-consumed. It's just the way that it is. They're just trying to survive, and they're hoping the people around them take care of them. But then as children get older, then you start to give them a bigger vision. Like I do this with my eight-year-old Annabelle all the time, because Annabelle's in that place right now where she's becoming very aware of everybody around her. And so I'll see her and she'll want to tell me a story and she'll be like deep in the story and then she'll stop. And I'm like, sweetie, I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for asking. I just start laughing. She's like, oh, dad, I'm so sorry. How are you? And what's going on? And as we get older and older, God wants to continue to expand our vision, give us a bigger vision than we would have had on our own. And the beauty of this is that for the follower of Jesus, now I always say this here, I realize not everybody here is a follower of Jesus. And if you're not, first, I'm super happy that you're here. And second, I want you to follow Jesus, right? But I realize everyone's on the step of the journey that they're on. And I believe God honors the step that we're on, knowing where he wants to take us. But... As a follower of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus, who he is and what he's done, and how that impacts our life, actually gives us the most glorious vision. A vision that has so many nuances to it that it takes a whole of scripture and a whole of life following Jesus to try and figure out what is this God-breathed, spirit-filled vision for life. And in a lot of ways, we've been slowly making our way through the book of Revelation. And one of the things that I've made the case from the very beginning as we started this book is that the book of the Revelation, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a book about Jesus. And the most important thing that we do when we study the book of Revelation is remember, this is about Jesus. It's not necessarily about the mark of the beast, although that's in there. It's not necessarily about the different judgments, although that's in there. 
It is the unpacking, the unveiling. It's desiring to give us a grander vision of who Jesus is. And what's amazing is, is as we're moving now into this next section in Revelation chapter four and five, we see once again that God is trying to give us a bigger vision than what we would have had normally. If you've been traveling with us, and if you haven't, I want you to go back onto our website, our, our free mobile app, YouTube, wherever you go, and listen to the messages, because you have chapter one is the introduction, and John sees this glorious vision of Jesus. And then right away, Jesus has see seven letters to seven churches. So you see Jesus, and then you see These letters to the bride of Christ, these different churches with there have good things going on and bad things going on. And Jesus in his love for the church is saying, I want you to grow. But now as we move into this next section, now all of a sudden the perspective changes from the church to heaven. And if there was ever something that is designed to give you and I and all who would hear a grander vision of life is when we can get a heavenly perspective. And so we're going to explore that together in this section. So open up your Bibles, Revelation chapter four. We're going to take verses one to six together. And I am excited for this section because in a lot of ways in the world in which we live in this cultural moment, for the people of God, there's nothing we need more than a heavenly perspective. Because we live here on earth and God wants to use us here on earth. And there's all sorts of issues here on earth and in our society. But the thing is, is for so many of us, if we don't have a heavenly perspective, we try and fix the world's problems with the world's ways, which only breaks it further. I'm going to say that again because it's important. If we try and fix the world's problems with the world's methods, we get more problems. The only way to truly transform our community and our world is to truly have a heavenly perspective. And I believe that that is very much what Jesus wants to grant to each one of us. So jumping right on in Revelation chapter four, picking up at verse one, it says this. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Now, to give you like a a little principle to, to start here is really what we learn here is that heaven is opened. And this is at the very heart of what we call the gospel That word means the good news. What's the big deal about Jesus? The big deal of fact is that the apostle John has heaven open to him. And that is at the core of who Jesus is and what he's done. When Jesus came as the promised Messiah, as Jesus showed up to fulfill all of the promises of Jewish scripture of God's redeemer, Not only was his job to die on the cross for the sins of the world, but in doing so, when a person like you or like me, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, not only does it open up a relationship with God as the spirit of God dwells within us so that we can walk in this world knowing that we are set apart, that we are sealed, but it also opens up 
heaven. Do you remember when Jesus died, when he breathed his last breath, when he gave up his spirit? What happened in the temple? The veil tore, right? From top to bottom, it says. And it's a very powerful thing, because remember, in the temple, there was all of that is type and shadow of, of who God is. We're going to see a lot of that in Revelation 4 and 5. But what's really powerful about that is that there was the holy place where any priest could go, but then there was the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And only the high priest could go, and only once a year, and only with a, an atoning sacrifice. Right? And so for the majority of the priests, they had never seen behind that veil. And then all of a sudden, right before the sun goes down at Passover, the earth quaked, and literally that veil tore. And it was really saying, the way into holiness has been opened. And the fact that for the Apostle John, that heaven has been opened changes everything. Because I'm here to tell you, you can't have a heavenly perspective unless heaven has been opened to you. It's impossible. But John is seeing here, he's saying, look, after these, after these seven letters to the seven churches, you know, behold, I see this door standing in heaven and I hear this voice, the voice like a trumpet. Now, I don't know how many of you like jazz, but if you don't, you should like jazz. Because I love jazz. I played jazz for years and years and years. Whenever I read, it sounds like a trumpet. I'm always thinking of Miles Davis. Everyone know Miles Davis in here? Good. If you don't, you need to know Miles. Man, so many good albums. Now, don't get me wrong. If you go into your Apple Music, your Spotify, and you look about, there's all sorts of music. Because Miles is at the forefront of every innovation in jazz for his entire life. Like early bebop with Charlie Parker, then hard bop, that he started the modal jazz thing, that he, he moved right into the free jazz thing, and then into the fusion jazz. He pretty much invented that, electric jazz, all the way into like the 80s, like the early 80s electronic, like keyboard-driven music. Miles did all of that. It's amazing. But every time I hear, I heard a voice like a trumpet, that, that trumpet sound for me is Miles Davis. You know, it's just so awesome. Now, maybe you like a different trumpeter. There's lots, been lots of great trumpeters in jazz, or, or maybe you're, you know, you're in marching band. But whatever, I always hear that trumpet. I'm like, oh, Miles, baby. Yes. Miles is in heaven. That's good news for me. But he hears this voice, and it, and it reminds him of a trumpet. No, it's like a trumpet. So he's not saying it is a trumpet. He's saying it's like, and, and so much of the book of Revelation, and I've been saying this, and I want to keep saying this. There's a lot of symbolic language in it. And so the key is to not try and make it say something it doesn't say. When it says it's like this, then it, they're using symbols and similes. And he's saying this, it reminded me of the, the shrillness of a trumpet, he's saying. And it says, come on up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Now, it's very fascinating because if you remember and if you're with us in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, it says John's going to be seeing the things that are and the things which will be and the things which will take place after those things, right? And a lot of people see in Revelation 1, 19, almost like an outline for the book of Revelation, the things which are chapter 1, the things which will be chapters 2 and 3, and then the things which happen after these things, 4 and following, because notice John says, I will show you the things which shall take place after this. And then John says, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, there's a throne set in heaven and there's one who sits on the throne. So really, Revelation 4 and 5 is showing us like almost the throne room of heaven for two chapters. 
And we learn a lot about the heavenly perspective by seeing what is going on in heaven. Now notice this. John is invited into heaven and he gets there because he's in the spirit. My friends, the only way to get to heaven is by the finished work of Jesus through the spirit of God. Someone said, well, Fusco, how do I get the spirit? I'm so happy you asked. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the spirit of the living God takes up residence in your life. There's no other way to get the spirit of God on the inside except through believing in Jesus. So if you're here today, and if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, what Jesus called being born again, then the spirit of God is in you. Now, I know sometimes it may not feel like that, but I'm here to tell you the spirit of God is so much greater than our feelings. Our feelings are important. They give us clues into what's going on in our lives. But my friends, the only way to have the spirit is to believe in Jesus. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I'm here to tell you the spirit of God dwells within you. And if you're here today and you're like, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. Well, right now, the spirit of God is on the outside, knocking on the door of your heart saying, can I get in? Will you let me in? Will you let me do the work that I want to do in your life? And what I love so much about Jesus is he never stops knocking. He never stops saying, listen, yes, I know this happened. And I know that went wrong. And I know you made that mistake. And I know you wish you didn't do that. But will you let me? Take up residence in your life. And I'm here to tell you, that's the long-suffering love of God. Man, I can't even imagine how frustrating. I mean, God doesn't get frustrated with us the way we get frustrated with another. But I must have been the most frustrating person for Jesus. Because like for years and years, like I'm, like, and I didn't grow up in the church, so like I was in rebellion against God. I didn't even know that it was rebellion. I was just living how people lived where, the way I was raised, you know? But there were so many times when I look back on it where God was like, I have something better for you. And I was like, man, better. I'm living the dream right now. Come on. Like, only to realize that life is truly, the abundant life is on the other side of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to buy the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go do X, Y, and Z. You don't have to sign on the dotted line. You don't have to check your voting records or your, what you, your calendar. You simply need to say, I believe in Jesus. And then the spirit of God dwells with you. Now, from there, you believe in Jesus, it's called justification. Where now all of a sudden, although you were guilty, your sins have been forgiven, the spirit of God dwells with you. Now from there, then another process begins. And that process is called what? Sanctification. You guys have been around Crossroads. You suddenly you're about sanctification. Now, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and the spirit of God dwells in you, you're justified. But now God wants to do a greater and deeper work from there. And then the question isn't, do you have the spirit? The question is, is, does the spirit of God have you? And that is when the indwelling spirit is saying, hey, I don't want you to walk this way. I want you to walk that way. Hey, I know you used to do that, but here, there's a narrow gate. There's another way to live. And that's a, the process of growing in maturity with Jesus. Now, the beauty of who Jesus is, is that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you die the next moment, you will go to heaven. Because there's that much power in the finished work of Jesus, in the blood of Jesus. But for most of us, that's not what God does. 
And we all say, hallelujah. You know, like we want to live in Christ and experience what life's supposed to be. And for each one of you, you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Every single day is a question. Lord, I want to surrender to your spirit. Lord, I want your spirit to do more in me today than I've ever experienced before. Lord, I've seen great and mighty things. But Lord, I want you to do that work in me. And that's the beauty. And that never ends. We never, you're never like, man, oh man, I've been walking with Jesus a long time. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That may be true for Bowser, but that's not true in the kingdom. Because God wants to teach you new tricks. He wants you to grow. He wants you to deepen. He wants you to step out more. He wants you to believe more. He wants you to enjoy him more. But heaven is opened because of the spirit of God. Now what's powerful is when he, right as John, he's in the spirit, he gets this glimpse of heaven and he right away, he sees this throne. Now all through the scriptures, there's discussions about heaven and throne. Listen to Daniel chapter seven, verse nine. It says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow and his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. Now, what's important to realize about the book of Revelation is that in some 400 and plus verses in the book of Revelation, there's almost a thousand Old Testament references and overtones. You want to have fun and be go deep in the book of Revelation, just track down all the different references that are in these. And, and like, if I was teaching this differently, you know, and, and we were just like, hey, we're just going to study the book of Revelation for the rest of, until Jesus comes back, I would do it that way. Like, we're like, look at this verse, and look at this verse, and look at this, and look at how this works. Because there's really nothing in the book of Revelation that comes without some sort of reference to something that's already been inspired in sacred scripture. So there's this idea of the heaven, Daniel. Listen to Isaiah chapter six, verse one. Another reference says, listen, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord where? Sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, when heaven is opened, we ultimately see the Lord on the throne. Now, here's the deal, my friends. The whole of growth in your Christian life comes down to who sits on the throne of your life. I think it was A.W. Tozer, and I'm paraphrasing, because A.W. Tozer had a great way with words, me, not so much. You know, He said, in effect, that in every believer's heart, there is a throne and a cross. For most believers, we leave Jesus on the cross so we can sit on the throne. But for the mature believer, we take the cross and we give Jesus the throne. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? So right now, in the presence of God between you and him, who's on the throne in your heart? And here's what I want to tell you. If you're like, it's totally me right now. Don't despair. Because the only way you can move from where you are is to know where you are. You have to start somewhere. And if you're like, that's totally me. I'm on the throne. I want Jesus on the cross. I believe that he died for me. But really, my life is about me and what I want and how I feel. If that's the case, then you have to say, okay, Lord, I want to deny myself, take up my cross and follow after you, Jesus, so that you can have your rightful place as king on the throne. Now, I'm here to tell you, you might make that decision today and you're going to have to make that decision again tomorrow. That's the beauty of sanctification. That's the beauty of what God wants to do in our lives. Who's on the throne of our lives? 
All through the scripture, the reason Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords is because he deserves the throne. He's the rightful heir to the throne. And I'm here to tell you in my experience of walking with Jesus, the only way my life ever makes sense, the only way when I feel like, man, this is the abundant life is always when Jesus is on the throne. It's always when it's about him. And the beauty of following Jesus is that God knows that for us, sometimes it's not about him. It's about us. And the beauty is that when we realize that we acknowledge it, the Bible calls it repentance. It's when we acknowledge, hey, something's a little upside down in my life. And I need to change that. And I believe that that word repentance is such a beautiful word. As I get older and as I walk with Jesus longer, I'm more in love with this idea of repentance because what it means is that I am turning from my own way and I'm turning to God. I'm saying, God, I truly desire to know you. And I realize that as I I believe in you and I know you and I'm growing in my relationship with you, there is always this opportunity to turn away from my own ways and turn to the Lord. You know, in a lot of ways, this idea that heaven is open and that we get there by the spirit and that God is doing a work, it's what drives so much of who we are. It's why as a church, like I'm so excited about not only who we are but I know that God is just getting started because I realize that as we walk in the spirit, we're going to care more and more about our community because Jesus does. That we're going to want to serve more self-sacrificially than we ever have because we're following Jesus who gave up his life for us. He impoverished himself so that we might know the riches of God and then we follow him and we're like, hey, we're going to give of what we've got, what we've received because we want others to be blessed. And the whole idea, we only serve those people who deserve it, that goes out the window because we believe in a savior who died for us and I never deserved it. You didn't deserve it. Nobody was entitled to heaven. It was given to us as a gift. It's why I get so excited when I see what God is doing because I realize because heaven is open, because God is on the throne, and as we press in with whatever knobs are on our side of the wall, as we press into what God is doing, all of a sudden things start changing. We start changing. We start becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, as John has seen this throne, he gets kind of captivated by the throne. Look at what happens next. Picking up in in verse 3, it says, And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Now, what's really powerful about this is Really, he doesn't talk about who's on the throne, really. He talks about what it looks like, right? And all of this speaks of great color. And so what I think is so powerful here is what this teaches us in verse 3 is that God is light. Like John is captive. He's, he's seeing visuals of the throne room of heaven. And all he can think about is the different colors he's seeing. Jesus is Pastor Daniel began sharing the Apostle John's vision of heaven. What a description. John did his best to share what he saw, even though it's like nothing we could possibly comprehend here on earth. One day, you could have the opportunity to see it yourself. How? Well, Pastor Daniel told you today you need to allow Jesus to be your Savior. You need to be ready to walk away from sin and start a new life in Him. And you can do that 
In fact, let's hand it back to Pastor Daniel to tell you more. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Next time, Pastor Daniel will continue with this incredible description of the throne room of heaven. You'll also meet some of the people who are standing around the throne, lifting their praises up to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. What a powerful image. If you're a child of God, you'll get to experience it firsthand. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called A Year of Revelation next time. Until then, may God bless.